Welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio and welcome to an exclusive Builder Funnel Radio original mini-series, Profit Bleeds with Todd DeWalt. In this mini-series, Todd and I dive into eight different profit bleeds that are causing your construction business to lose money. Solve these profit bleeds and you'll have yourself a solid, profitable construction business. If you don't know Todd, you should know that he's on a mission to help small construction business owners. He's the founder and host of the Construction Leading Edge podcast, one of the most popular and longest running podcasts dedicated to the construction industry. Over his 20 year career, Todd has owned a construction business and built projects ranging from bathroom remodels to high rises. Now he coaches construction business owners to help them maximize profits, eliminate chaos, and take their business to the next level. As you listen to this series, you'll find yourself nodding along as Todd talks through common scenarios you see every week that are bleeding away profit from your business. These are things like downtime, schedule overruns, and unsolicited charity. Each episode will have practical, tactical strategies for eliminating profit bleeds and putting more cash back in your pocket. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, Todd, glad to have you here today. Hey, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this mini series because we're going to dive into some profit bleeds. And I know these things will help a lot of people if you if you work to solve them. Before we dive into the mini series, just maybe give some people a little bit of context. How did you come to discover these things? Three words, the hard way, <laughs> I would say. So I, I've been in construction for a little over 20 years, really started back in 97, had my own business for a while and learned the hard way about a lot of these things. I made a lot of mistakes, learned the hard way. I've managed businesses, I've managed large projects, everything from bathroom remodels up to $70 million high rises. I've seen I've seen a lot of contractors struggle and I've seen a few do pretty well. And um, frankly, the ones that do pretty well have figured out a lot of these things that we're going to talk about during this mini series. Yeah. So that's the short answer is I've learned these things the hard way. Yeah. Well, I find that that's usually the case with a lot of these types of things when you're looking for success in business or life, you know, there's a lot of struggle to get to the answer and the best way is to learn from other people, but if you know, you usually end up making your own mistakes a lot anyway. So, yeah. Well, here's what I'll say: if you're planning, if you're like a, I like to make my own mistakes, guy or gal, you should probably just turn this off right now. But uh, if you want to learn from some some painful, expensive mistakes, some often extinction level mistakes, then yeah, listen on. I personally, I. I used to be one of those guys. I was like, ah, I don't need any help. I can figure this stuff out on my own. And that's probably a big reason why my my first business failed. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think I got lucky because I think I generally enjoy learning. And so, and I think I was like, well, I don't know if I'm that smart. So I better learn from a lot of other people. So I started going down that path early. And yeah, I heard a good quote that was something around, you know, it's really the, the most wisdom is to learn from other people's mistakes than your own. So hopefully we can shortcut a few things for some people here. Yeah. Yep. The older I get, the more I realize 
the less I know, if that makes sense. So yep. the more, the yep. older I get, the more I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You realize there's a whole lot of stuff out there. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yep. well, as we go through this mini series and we're going to run through eight different profit bleeds, what should, you know, if there's construction business owners listening to this podcast, they get to the completion of this and they start working on solving these profit bleeds, what kind of change is that going to have in their business? What we're going to talk about will apply to construction business owners, certainly. And what, what you'll see is an increased bottom line, because when you solve profit bleeds, you'll see a direct impact to your bottom line. Uh, you'll be able to maximize the bottom line profitability of your operation without hiring more people, without selling more work. If you're a project leader, let's say you're an operations manager, a project manager, a superintendent, crew leader, you're going to pick up some strategies that will make you look like a superhero, quite frankly. Your projects, your crews, your teams will run more efficiently. There'll be less chaos and you'll be able to get more work done with a lot less frustration and get more work done while doing less work, if that makes sense. So that's, that's really what what this is all about. Cool. Yeah. And I think those things are, are critical. Like you said, over the years, you've seen a lot of construction businesses kind of limp along or, you know, flounder and, you know, they have some good years and some really rough years. And then there's been a few that have done really, really well. And I think that's what we're all chasing is how do you develop that consistency of year over year, you're having good years, you're profitable. So let's dive into some of these. I know you and I were talking, one of one of the big ones is uh, schedule overruns. So maybe just define that, you know, what do you mean by that? And let's, let's dig into it. And before I get into that, there, there really are a couple of questions that I, I hear so many times is over and over and over over the past several years that I heard that led me to start thinking about these profit bleeds. And one of the questions is, how do I find skilled labor? I need more people. And the answer is, you may not need more people. You may just need to solve some of these profit bleeds. Another one is, I'm not making enough money. How do I make more money? How do I charge more? How do I increase my margins so I can make more money? And the answer is, you can actually, you may be able to lower your margins on bid day and still make more money at the end by eliminating these profit bleeds that we talk about. And then another big challenge people think that people have is they think that in order to make more money, they need to grow their organization. They need to hire more people. But then they think, well, if I hire more people, then I just create this monster that I have to work to feed. And it just becomes this never ending cycle of hire, grow, more chaos, hire, grow, more chaos. And they just hate it. The good news is if you can eliminate the chaos, get to the root cause of that chaos, you can actually get a lot more work done with less chaos and with fewer people. So with that said, one of the first profit bleeds that you want to eliminate is schedule overruns. And here's what schedule overruns looks like. This is what the the profit bleed looks like. An example is I went to Nebraska, a CEO of a pretty good-sized commercial construction company was struggling. They had been in business for a few decades and they were losing money. They lost money one year for the first time. And it didn't make sense because 
She had a great team. They had lots of contracts and backlog. They did a lot of negotiated work, long-time relationships, and they, were, they lost money and they couldn't understand it. So as we started to dig into it, we found that the problem was their projects were slipping. So these projects that were in backlog, signed contract, lots of profit in the project were slated to get started, let's say, April 1st. Well, it something happened and it slipped to August, then it slipped to October. And meanwhile, their, their overhead meter was still running and they just, they weren't converting that backlog into gross profit. So schedule overruns tend to, to turn into profit bleeds because even though they're in backlog, you're not able to turn that into profit. So you're basically saying the schedule overrun when when we first started talking about this, I was thinking the other way, you know, but you're saying it even starts at the beginning where you can't get get it started. And so then you've maybe staffed up or you've prepped for that project and that's all cost that's eating away at pre-revenue, you know, pre-booking that. It is. And it you're right. Those schedule overruns, the delays after a project has started. Those are also, that's also a source of profit bleeds. But a lot of a lot of projects are getting hammered by delays on the front end. And that's that's where there's a big opportunity to accelerate projects is on the front end of those projects. So, so how, um, yeah, how do you navigate that? You know, if, if somebody is listening to this and going, oh my gosh, that's exactly what's happening to me. You know, we sign these contracts, we set a start date, and then it it gets kicked out a couple of months or a few months. Is there a, do you have to build something into the contract? Do you just have to have better expectations with the the end client or how do you solve for that? Yeah, that's a good question. And the, the root cause of that is, is really a, a mindset. And a lot of contractors think, well, that's not my problem. That's not my responsibility. The, the architect is, is slow. Uh, they didn't get their drawings turned around. The owner didn't make their decisions. The utility company didn't do what they're supposed to do. The surveyor didn't get out there. The owner's hazardous material abatement contractor didn't get out there. And while it's not your responsibility as the contractor, it is your problem. So what it comes down to is changing the way you think and start thinking what I call right to left. So thinking right to left is really the key. If you look at a successful business, regardless of what industry or what trade they're in, they're operating from right to left. And let's contrast that to the way most contractors operate, which is left to right. Left to right thinking is, I'm going to just get started, do the best I can with what I have from a business development strategy. If somebody calls me, I'll give them a price. We focus on getting projects started. We just kind of go along step by step by step, and then we get to the end, and hopefully we made some money. And by the time you find out the results, it's too late to do anything about it. And that's just not, that's like being in the passenger seat or the back seat when it comes to running your business. So what I tell people is, let's, let's start operating from right to left. Let's get in the driver's seat, and you figure out what you want, how much really where I start is what do you want your ideal lifestyle to look like? And then let's work backwards from there. How much money is that going to require? 
How much revenue do you have to generate to support that? What kind of work do you want to do? What sort of projects do you want to do? What sort of people do you want to work with? Yeah, how and many hours do you want to down, work, right? You know, those types yeah. of questions. So figure out what you're going to say yes to, figure out what you're going to say no to. And think, where do I want to be from a, a big picture scale, let's say for the year, where do I want to be at the right side of the page at the end of this year? What do I want to be different? Dollars in the bank, types of projects, types of clients, referral partners, whatever it is. This applies to your personal life too. And then let's work backwards from there, right to left. What do we have to do to make this work? So when it comes to schedule overruns, let's look at if we want to, if you're struggling with projects slipping on the the front end, which when projects slip on the front end, what typically happens is the back end date doesn't change. So that means you and your team get this project shoved down your throat and what should have been two months of pre-construction turns into four months of pre-construction and your 12-month construction schedule turns into a 10-month construction schedule. So what you do is start with the the end, in this case, the right side of the page being, what is it going to take to launch this project successfully? If you want this project to start April 1st of next year, ask the question, what's it going to take to make that happen? And then work backwards from there. Go identify what I call the pre-launch influencers, the people who influence the launch of a project, but don't work for you. So this would be the owner. If the owner needs to make decisions, sign contracts, go hire their own consultants and hire their own contractors to do other work, then lead them through that process. The architect, engineers, civil engineers, design team, they don't work for you in many cases, but they influence the launch of the project. So what you do is get in the the driver's seat of that project, start leading that project from from behind, essentially, and then identify the pre-launch influencers, lay out a schedule of what it's going to take to start on that date, and then start negotiating with these people that you don't have a contract relationship with and get them to commit to making that happen. That's really, if you want to drive your projects and eliminate that slippage, then it takes a a change in mindset. And you're going to need to start doing some things that aren't really your job. But the benefits are your projects are much more likely to start on time. And your client is going to love you because you are making them look good, solving problems, helping them deliver their project on time, save money, all sorts of benefits. Yeah, that's awesome. A couple of things stood out to me there. One is you, I love how you mentioned it a couple of times already, but identifying the, the root cause, you know, and so you're going, okay, where is it? Because once you know that, you can dig in and say, okay, who do I need to reach out to proactively early in the process? Even though it shouldn't be my job, maybe it is my job. But like you said, it's your problem. And so you just have to take that ownership of solving it. Because if you don't, then you end up with low or no or negative profitability, which is not where we want to be. The other thing is interesting. I know you talk a lot about right to left thinking. And I love that concept. And as you were talking, it just connected the dots for me here. We run a business process called Four Disciplines of Execution. And in that process, I won't go into it too in-depth, but they have basically lead measures and lag measures. And lag measures are 
the things that you find out after the fact. So like you said, you get into a project, you get rolling, you get to the end, you go, oh, wow, that really didn't play out. Well, that's the lag measure, your profitability on the job. But the lead measures are action steps that you can take up front. And so you're saying, did I call the engineer? Did I call the design team? Did I do these? And did I get make sure that they're nailed on the schedule. And those are your lead measures, you know, or in your case, you know, you're talking about starting at the right and moving back to the left. But man, what that made a, a world of a difference for us because you're going to live with the result, you know, and, and the result is passed and you can learn for the next time. But if you can fast forward in your mind and go, what is the result I want? Then you're making some strategic bets, right? I think if I call these four people, we'll get to start on time. And if you don't, okay, but now you can make another strategic bet and you're actually paying attention. So I don't know if that's kind of the direction you're headed that, here. That, that's exactly it. So if you use, I love that, that concept of, of lead measures. If you use, use another concept, the Pareto principle or the 80-20 law, you'll, if you look at all of the, the steps in a project leading up to a project, 20% of those activities lead to... 80% of the success of getting a project queued up. So you may be thinking, oh my gosh, there's 87 things that have to be done to get a project queued up. Well, maybe, but there are probably half a dozen, maybe, on the most complicated project. I've done, one of the last projects I did was a $22 million distribution center developed, starting from a swamp, basically. And as I looked at the pre-launch schedule, there were probably five things. And if I just pushed on those five things, some of the key entitlements, some of the key decisions that had to be made, then everything else sort of flowed downhill. So look at all your issues, look for the lead dominoes, use that 80-20 principle. 20% of your activities are going to lead to 80% of your results. And if you apply that filter, then you just focus on pushing on those 20%. And it's amazing what happens. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Todd DeWalt. I wanted to quickly let you know about Builder Funnel Academy. We only open the doors twice a year and it's quickly becoming a top digital marketing training platform for residential remodelers and builders. For over a decade, our team has been helping residential construction companies 3X, 5X, and oftentimes 10X their lead flow. As you know, Leads are the lifeblood of any business because leads turn into sales, which turns into cash. And the main reason companies fail is because they run out of cash. To learn more about Builder Funnel Academy and get on the wait list, go to builderfunnelacademy.com slash VIP. If you're looking for more predictability in your marketing and sales funnel, check out Builder Funnel Academy. We'd love to see you inside the program. Remember, that's builderfunnelacademy.com slash VIP to get on the VIP list. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's a great point. And too often we get caught up in trying to say yes to everything. And that's a, a good reminder, you know, the 80-20, like I'm going to say yes to the 20 and then squeeze in whatever you can of the rest of it. But then, you know, you're knowing that you, you hit the big impact. Yeah. So, so here's good news. You can ignore like 80% of the stuff that you're, that we spend time on and you're spending time on in projects. You don't even have to, you, you can just forget about it. You can just ignore because it doesn't have any effect on your project schedule, or maybe it has a, a minute effect. So if you're just completely overwhelmed, 
thinking, I have so many projects I have to do that, that you just want to bury your head in the sand or just go take a nap. The good news is you can just look at, look at each project and look for those lead dominoes. What are the, the showstoppers? What are the things that absolutely have to be done? What are the 20% items? And then you focus on those. Most of the rest of, the, of those things will take care of themselves. Yeah, it's a really good point. And that's something that I think I've learned for myself in the last couple of years. My son was born about 18 months ago, and I made a commitment I wanted to have certain windows of time that I was going to be spending with him. And I realized that all of a sudden I had to start saying no to certain things and it immediately prioritized the high value activities. And so I think sometimes we get caught up and, you know, prior to that, I would just go, yeah, I can do that. Or you'll squeeze it in at night or, you know, whenever it is. But if you kind of set those boundaries, sometimes things get a lot better and you end up working less just because you've committed to those, those lines and drawn them in the sand. So um, yep. I like that you said you can kind of ignore the the 80% because I think it's really true. You know, I've seen that in a couple areas for myself. You touched on the root cause. This is a fundamental, the ability to identify the root cause of your symptoms is a superpower, right? Because most people spend their lives complaining about or dealing with symptoms. So if you're like, with symptoms, what are you talking about? A couple of years ago, my left shoulder froze. I couldn't raise it. I couldn't reach back. It just froze. Incredibly painful. And it was incredibly painful, like down here, halfway between my shoulder and my elbow. And I had I checked with a couple of specialists and they said, well, the pain is down here. So it's not a joint issue. And I tried some stuff. It didn't work. I tried to treat the symptoms. So then I finally went to an orthopedic surgeon and I thought, I really screwed this shoulder up. I'm going to need surgery. So there I was sitting on this exam table, shirt off, guy walks in and says, Mr. DeWalt, you have idiopathic adhesive capsulitis. He didn't even look at me, didn't touch me, but he looked at the symptoms and then he knew what the root cause was. And he worked backwards from those symptoms. I had frozen shoulder. And as soon as I started treating the root cause and started doing therapy and cortisone shots, it solved it. As long as I kept treating the symptoms didn't solve anything. So probably don't have time to go through all of this, but if you want to learn how to make your problems go away, start getting to the root cause. So go look up the five wise method. If you want to develop a superpower, whether you're a business owner, you're an employee, whatever, if you want to make problems magically disappear, and let's face it, people who make problems go away, get paid more. Absolutely. Go study root cause analysis, five whys, and then preempt those problems. Look at, focus on the steps and the process leading up to a problem, and then put systems in place to get predictable results. Good stuff. Yeah. And that uh, the five whys is a good one. You're right. We won't dive into it today, but it, uh, it can get you to the, the answer pretty quickly. Um, Definitely. So let's move on to another profit bleed. I feel like that people can solve the beginning there of the, the schedule overruns. That'll, that'll be huge. But another one is rework. So this happens often. <laughs> what, what, what's a, an example of rework that probably a lot of people go, oh yeah, I've seen that before. There are a couple that, that I can think of, well, several personally, but one of the most painful ones that I ever saw was I was building an emergency department addition 
several years ago, a lot of years ago. And late one day, as I like to do, I was walking around checking out progress. And I noticed that the building wasn't closed. It was at the stage where metal studs were up, walls were roughed in, overhead mechanicals were roughed in. And I noticed that the metal stud walls weren't parallel to the sprinkler lines. And the sprinkler lines were parallel. Everything was nice and square. So like something doesn't look right. So I pulled my tape out and there was a pod of walls. So imagine this, metal stud walls, 10 feet high, filled with medical gases, plumbing, water, HVAC, medical equipment, blocking. They were framed wrong. The walls were laid out wrong. They were out of square. And the entire pod was racked. So they had to come in, tear all of that out and rebuild not only the walls. So the metal stud contractor was responsible for their own cost. They were also responsible for the HVAC guy, the medical gas guy, the plumber, carpenters, everybody put blocking in there. Ouch. Extremely painful. And it all came down to somebody read the tape wrong, snapped a line, shot track down on the wrong side of the line or something. And so that was a very expensive one. Another one was a phone call I got when I had my own business. And it was my lead guy, Chris, who said either he noticed it or I noticed it. Actually, I think I noticed it. I drove out to a house that he was framing and there were two piles of studs, two different lengths of pre-cut studs. There were 92 and 5 eighths inch studs for double top plate, the exterior walls, 94 and an eighth inch studs for single top plate. And he had framed all of the exterior walls with the wrong studs. Oh, geez. So those are not, not good things to recognize. So they, they happen all the time, and it can be just simple mistake, layout mistakes, wrong materials, changes are, are an issue that lead to rework. Something gets built. Imagine this, if you've built something, then the client or the engineer or the architect comes through and says, oh, yeah, we changed that, remember? We, we issued a change order for that. You're, you're building off the wrong set of drawings. And so it, it happens. It, it's, it's so prevalent. It's extremely painful. So it's a huge profit bleed. If you think about a typical contractor doing, say, a million dollars worth of work, could be getting hit with easily $1,000 a month in rework costs. So there's the direct cost of labor and material to do the rework, to do it twice. Of course, you, always, you also have to tear it out. So there's demo involved. But then there's the ripple effect. Nobody, I've heard people say, yeah, these construction guys, they get paid by the hour. Why do they care? Nobody likes to tear out work and do it twice. So morale goes down. Confidence goes down. Your customer, nobody likes to see, no customer likes to see stuff being torn out of their new project because of a mistake. And I can tell you when their confidence in you goes down, your life gets really complicated. So the ripple effects of rework specifically, they're like dropping a rock in a pond. They touch everything. So yeah. this one, this one, it, it's extremely demoralizing, extremely painful. And it, it really hits the bottom line pretty hard. Yeah. Well, and it, it probably hits the first one we talked about too, schedule, you know, because as soon as you have to start reworking, you're impacting timeline as right. well. Yeah. And then you're not, you're also, another part of the ripple effect is you're spending a couple of days fixing something 
you're not able to go to the next project, which causes a delay on that project. And you're not able to generate revenue. You're not doing profitable work. You're just trying to get caught back up to where you should have been. So you're losing the potential profit of what you could be doing. So it, it's, it's extremely painful. Yeah. Jeez. This one sounds rough. <laughs> so I can see how some of this stuff, you know, it can happen so easily too. And it's not like people are intending to, to make these mistakes. So what are a couple of good ways that people can start to, you know, fix this one or solve this one? I would imagine maybe some checklists are involved, but you, you probably have some other things that'll help. If you distill this down, if you get down to the root cause, the root cause is that people are people don't have the information they need. That, that's really what it comes down to. They're building off the wrong drawings. They there's some confusion about which studs they're supposed to be using. Some of it could be operator error. Just somebody screwed up. One of the root causes could be there was no there was no check and balance. There was no quality control. Nobody said. Nobody specifically told Chris, hey, use these studs. The ones that are blue on the end, this. The ones that are orange on the end, exterior walls, et cetera. So it really comes down to root cause. And my advice for you listening would be to think about the last situation where you had some rework that you had to do. And then work backwards and ask, why did this happen? Get to the root cause. And then figure that out and put a system in place to make sure that doesn't happen. But my advice for solving rework would be, number one, somebody has to be an information broker at some some level. If you're doing projects that have any complexity at all, then somebody has to be the information broker. So that information being, what is the, the rough opening size of a window? And then that piece of information has to go from the source all the way to the person who is at the front line doing the work. Somebody has to broker that information. If there's a change, somebody has to disseminate that information from the client out to all affected parties. So at some level, well, my job when I was managing projects, my job wasn't to build stuff. When I was running operations for 50 50 employee company, my job was to broker information and push information out to the people doing the work. That's really the key is to start thinking about pushing information out, out to the people doing the work. And, and one of the, the other ways to, to think about solving this problem is if you think about a, a relay race, maybe you watched the Olympics or if you watch college track events, there's a, a relay race. And where do most problems happen in a relay race? The handoff. Bingo. That's where they spend a lot of time training how to put the baton, transfer the baton from one hand to the other. Typically, people don't just throw the baton while they're running. So yeah. if you think about your projects as a series of handoffs, you're handing off information from one person to the next, from you're handing off information from the designer to the estimator, from the estimator, to the suppliers, from the project manager, to the trade partners, from the trade partners, to the the people in the field, from office to field. Think about nailing the handoffs. If you will nail the handoffs in your project, so nail the handoff from the office to the field. What I've seen so many times is there's this rush 
to get started. Okay, just just get out there and get started. And we'll we'll get you the rest of that information. We'll get the selections to you. We'll get you the you know, get out there and start framing today. We'll figure out the window rough openings. We'll figure out the details on the fireplace. We're not sure about the doors yet. We don't know if we need blocking here yet. We'll figure it out. Just get started, get started, get started. Just focus on getting started. That's really where the problem is. So if you will be disciplined, if you're dealing with rework, you're dealing with a lot of the chaos on your projects. And I can tell you over a few years, people, when people bring me in to solve the chaos in their business, I'm, kind of, I'm a lot like that orthopedic surgeon who came in and told me what my problem was. I can walk into a, a trailer or an office and I won't even ask questions. I'll say, let's talk about your handoff. How are you handing it off from the office to the field? And if you'll make sure the people in the field have all of the information that they need to build it, if you'll think of them like a computer, where you're programming information in for them to build instead of lobbing bits and pieces of information to them piecemeal fashion, you'll be amazed at what happens. So that's, that's my best advice is nail the handoffs from the office to the field. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think to, to take it back to an earlier concept we talked about, uh, or I did, was the, the lead measures. Your lead measure might be having something related to that handoff and that, okay, every time we do a handoff, we're going to follow these five steps or we're going to include X, Y, and Z. And if everyone knows, okay, that's what I have to do, then you're combining the, the root cause, you know, where, where the problem, you know, get started and then you're creating an action, you know, with that and pairing those together. Um, right. Have a, a handoff checklist. If you think about the way I think about a handoff is a lot like closing a loan on buying a vehicle or buying a house, buying a piece of real estate. If there are 27 stipulations that need to be met to close and you meet 26 of them, you're going to go home without closing. They don't close loans unless they are 100% closed. That's why it's called closing. And that's how I think about handing off a project is there's a handoff checklist. These are the non-negotiable things that have to be handed off. Stacks of purchase orders for trade partners, material takeoffs, contact information, all the details that the people on the ground need to build it. And there has to be a disciplined handoff. Sort of like if... Construction projects look like a, a relay, then you would see like three people running along, handing the baton back and forth to each other, or they wouldn't even know where the baton was. It would just be this mess. <laughs> so if you'll have a disciplined handoff and just focus, again, this is the 80-20 principle in effect. 80% of your problems come from poor handoff. And you just ask the question, what, what, what do they need? Think a few steps down the road. What will they need? Not, not what will they need to get started? What will they need to finish the framing? What will they need to finish the rough end? What will they need to finish whatever it is? Give them everything they need before they get started. And then you can go on to the next thing and they won't constantly be circling back to you. And you won't get hit with rework. And you'll probably get your projects done faster because they're going to be more productive, therefore eliminating and preventing a lot of these schedule delays. Good stuff. Yeah. Todd, these are these are awesome. I feel like if people just solved these two, they'd already be seeing a world of difference in their businesses. Uh, so it's very true, very true. It's a it's a great start, but we're not done yet, are we? We're not done. Yeah, we're gonna see everyone here back in a week for episode two, 
And uh, yeah, thanks, Todd. And we'll see you on the next episode. Sounds good. Hey guys, I hope you got a ton of value out of that episode. Todd had some extremely tactical advice for solving schedule overruns and rework. Make sure you start taking action on solving these issues. It can be tempting to just listen, nod your head and move on. But if you carve out 30 or 60 minutes this week to start working on these, you'll look up in a month and be really glad you did. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you back here for episode two of Profit Bleeds with Todd DeWalt. Thank you.